This podcast is based exclusively on the real-life experiences of two bisexual cis women and their internet research. Sexual identity is deeply personal and influenced by intersecting identities, demographics, and circumstances. Rose and Annie do not speak for the bisexual experience of all individuals or the bisexual experience as a whole. In short, they don't know shit. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Rose, and my pronouns are she and her. And I'm Annie, and my pronouns are also she and her. And we're here to provide some context about the bisexual experience by sharing stories, giving advice, and talking about queer people we like. Yeah! I'm on a different mic than I usually am. I'm on, like, a very sensitive field microphone that uh, is probably going to pick up some nice car sounds for everybody so just enjoy that beep beep toot yeah. toot and i've been responsible for setting up my own audio for the first time which means that like who knows how this is gonna sound you'll be fine it'll be fine um cool so what are we talking about this week well to start a few weeks ago we did an episode on media representation of bisexuals in film and television just television do we do film too uh, we talked a little bit about, like, the history of movies and the Hays Code and everything. Right, 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 right. Yes. Uh, talks about on-screen representations of bisexuality. And our initial plan was to talk about all forms of media, but there's just too much to talk about. And we wanted to split it up maybe into a few different episodes, including one on music. So this week we're talking about bisexual representation in music yeah i was thinking about like the legal implications of if we put 10 seconds of each song that we talk about or artist and i was going back to our media law class and i was like i i mean it's an artistic pursuit but i don't think we're altering it in any way for artistic use but maybe we should each Thing. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, it just came to my mind. I was gonna say like, so we're not gonna play any of these songs. But I did start a playlist on Spotify. Yeah, I was will... trying to I was trying to contribute, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. I think you have to open the playlist, follow the playlist, and then you should just be able to add stuff. Okay. Wow, wouldn't it be fun if we put the open collaborative playlist link in the podcast notes and just saw what people added? Yeah, that'd be great. I wonder <laughs> if we would get like a bunch of people's like SoundCloud cuts uh, or if if our fans are legit. I bet some of it would be legit. I bet some of it would be some some genuine cuts. Yeah, whatever. This is off topic. Anyways. We're getting, we're getting we will, into the logistics of, like, a MOOC playlist. <laughs> we will have a playlist for you to peruse Yeah, um, one way or another. So, I've like, I don't know about you, but beyond particularly bisexual musicians, for me, music is, like, a huge part of my life. I think it, it's been a big part of me making friends and like having a social circle throughout college and like I go to a bunch of it's a huge part of the reason I love living in New York like going to live shows 
so for me, music is super foundational and important and like really connects you to the human experience. Yeah, 100%. I was like, am I I high? Does that make sense? No, definitely. This is something (laughs) I was trying to figure out how to word this um, because I think TV shows are a really great way for telling stories and kind of validating identities in a visual-based way. Not that there's a certain way that all bisexuals look, that by having them on screen becomes valid, but like it's a way of, of presenting the stories of bisexual people in like a very narrative, linear fashion. Um, and music for me has always been more about all music, not just music that is made by or for bisexuals or about bisexuals. Uh, music has always been much more about validating emotions. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's just as necessary to validate as stories. That's that's what music has always done for me is is put into song or something you can listen to the, how something feels, which is the best it's the best that we can do that (laughs) oh my god yeah it's like it's so amazing when your your feelings are so big and then you find a song that you're like did someone steal my journal or invade my brain last night and write a beautiful song about exactly what's going on with me yeah and when songs mention being interested in more than one gender, all that does is like open, make it a little bit more specific to you being like, oh, yes, that's my life that you're yeah, thinking yeah. about. Yeah. So I did a little bit like we did with the on screen representation and didn't intend to find the first, uh, my first example of same sex interaction in music, but. When I was looking at bisexual artists, I came across Jill Sobel, Sobel? I don't know how to say it. Jill Sobel, um, who's openly bisexual. And in 1995, she released this song called Kissed a Girl, years before Katy Perry would. And I just, like, I remember watching this in my basement on MTV late at night and kind of being like, oh, this is. Um, like this is great and also I feel like it's something I should keep secret because I don't know why I like it so much or if I should like it so much um so it was back in in 1995 was like big music video time um like TRL Total Request Live yes everybody rushed home after school to watch it um um I spent a lot of my time watching music videos so it was kind of like shaping my impression of the world And in the music video, it's two neighbors who are both uh, each dating men and they have an afternoon where they have a lovely time talking and then they end up making out. And uh, I was like, whoa, this is allowed? Like, I had no idea that queer people existed and I don't think I could have articulated at the time but I was like, I like the song, and I secretly kind of, I, I hope that when I get older, I will, like, 
marry a man and have an affair with my hot lady neighbor. Like, I think that was something that I was like, that sounds appealing to me. Mm -hmm. Like, that sounds good. Um, I was seven, so I don't think I, like, was, like, super articulate in that or aware of it at the time. But I think that's what was going on, like, why I was really interested in catching this video every time it it aired. But, yeah, if you haven't ever heard it, I suggest checking it out. And if you know the song Supermodel from Clueless, yeah, I, I told I want to be a supermodel. Yeah, that's yeah. Joel Sobel. So it's it's like that kind of genre of femme rock, and I really I really liked it. And I rewatched it, and I was like, okay, the video is funny. Like Fabio's her boyfriend. Um, very nineties. Very nineties, and they're like both fantasizing about like key male female couples but it's the it's the lady that they're interested in Mm -hmm. um is like playing both of the genders so I don't know I thought it was it was just interesting to be like oh I do have a like first queer musical experience yeah yeah like who knew yeah I'm sure I do too I can't I couldn't tell you like what the first song or music video that I saw that I was like, oh, this is queer, and I am too. I do remember that when I was, you know, in love for the first time, music was very important to me in processing the emotions that I was having, which, like you very succinctly put, were just way too big, and I didn't know how to deal with them. But music did, and I think that's the way a lot of young people feel, people in general, not just young people young people I think have harder times articulating when they're having like really big feelings and music can help with that first time feeling such big feelings and what I used to do was I used to listen to music during this time that I was in love and write down all the lyrics to the song I would like put my headphones in plug in my little iPod mini (laughs) (laughs) and like play the song um, and stop like every four seconds to write down the next line of the lyrics and I have college diaries that are pretty much like chock full of lyrics from songs that I was just really identifying with at the time Tegan and Sarah factored in pretty significantly (laughs) Uh, the weird indie pop band Phoenix, the like French indie yeah. pop band, they were a big deal. I can't stand them now, which is so funny, but they were, they really helped me through that. I don't know. You wore them, you wore them out. I guess so. I guess Can so. I ask a question? Was writing it down like part of your emotional processing or... Was it that, like, this was a time period where you could Google the lyrics to a song and they would likely not exist on the internet yet? Some of these songs definitely were not yet on the internet. Uh, I think probably if if they had been, like, big pop songs, the lyrics would have been on there. But for some of these, the lyrics just weren't, weren't out there yet. But it was also, I mean, like, I don't even know if that occurred to me. I really took pleasure in listening to every four seconds of a song writing it down and then going to the next four seconds which is i don't know that's just what i needed to do i don't know what was up but annie it's truly like the most adorable 
way of processing and like, <laughs> figuring out emotions. Like, yeah. I really, it's very sincere. Yeah, a little too sincere maybe, but I was <laughs> 17, 19, calling. <laughs> that's definitely in there that's definitely in there I wish I had my I wish I had brought my college diary I could read you some excerpts some bangers (laughs) yeah 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 I um probably figure out my live journal login which certainly I will yeah I would definitely post like full lyrics to songs sometimes and just be like if you get it and I'm yeah. like, who am I talking to? I'm sure I'm talking to one person very specifically because yes. it's a public journal. There's a reason I'm putting it out there. Yeah. I was thinking, like, just when you were talking about um, music that you was, like, the first time you were like, oh, that's queer music. And I didn't even think about this. But for me, I remember when I was 15, I was friends with these um, girls who were older and they were both queer and I don't think I realized at the time that they were queer. I like was not, I, the more I talk about this, especially with Cassandra, I'm like, I was not plugged into like queer or gay as like a thing that was in real life existence for so long. Um, I, yeah, so I was friends with these girls and they introduced me to La Tigra. And that was the first group of music that I was like, oh, there's like queer women in existence. Yeah. 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 I might have been like 13, actually, and just like jamming out to La Tigra. I love that. I love that image. I don't think I got to La Tigre until I was a little older, which is... I lucked out. These, these... I do not know how this was happening, but these were, like, 20-year-olds, and we all hung out at the same pizza parlor, but then we would, like, drive around. It was nothing nefarious. It sounds nefarious, but it no, really it, was It doesn't chillin'. sound... It doesn't even sound nefarious. It just sounds like the 90s 90s-est hangout I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, it was like one of them dated the pizza cook, and so we would all be at the pizza shop all the time. Classic. Yeah, but so that was my my foray into like Riot Girl albums that I still am like, nope, that's a perfect album. Yeah, those early musical experiences. Like I listened to some music when I was a kid that was just trash, but like it's beloved to me because it reminds me so clearly of very specific feelings I felt or just like places I was that's yeah. the magic of music baby yeah I feel like music is like the scent of media like you know how smell is your strongest like it brings back your emotions yeah for me that's music like of media for some people I'm sure it's like oh when you read a book mm. like you just know where you were for me I'm like no I can remember like walking down the street in this city I'd never been to or like driving in the car with that person and like so vividly call back a memory when a song comes on yeah that's totally it it's that's a great way of putting it it's definitely the scent the scent of media 
I'm going to start being like, I love the smell of that song. (laughs) (laughs) The song's real stinky to me. Yeah, I mean, being 14. Some of the some of the songs that I listened to were stinky. They smelled bad, but like I like the it's like the smell of gasoline. Like it's I know I'm not supposed to like it, but I do. Bring it on, baby. <laughs> oh, I was going to say I think the first musician that I recognized as being like queer or I didn't really know what that meant, but I think I knew it was not straight music, was the artist Mika, who, I don't know if what they identify as sexuality-wise, um, but I loved I loved their first album. I Everybody's gonna love today, gonna yeah, love today, anyway. Like very poppy, and that first album by Mika is the reason that I found out about Queen, the rock band queen um because he references freddie mercury in in one of the one of the tracks on that album um so i don't know i i don't know how i knew it was queer music but i knew and then when i started listening to queen i was like oh this is also queer music yeah it's interesting that there's like something even now, I'll be listening to an artist, and I'm like, I think this artist is a queer. And then, I mean, now you can Google it. Right. And 95% of the time, it's like up-and-coming queer artist, whoever. Um, or, like, they're in the queer scene. But I feel like before the internet was more robust, you just had a feeling or based on the even like based on the content probably is what's bringing on that feeling um but yeah before before I could articulate it I was like oh there's a thing going on there's something happening that I have not been plugged into before maybe it's like the lack of explicit pronouns sometimes I guess that applies less and less now people are pretty open about saying the gender of the person they're addressing but like a lot of musicians used to not a lot of queer musicians used to not like specifically gender anybody especially in love songs there's also queer readings of songs i was listening to this podcast called dolly parton's america and they talk about the queer reading of the song jolene (laughs) And they like make up an alternate ending to the song where the singer and Jolene end up together. It's great. Great, great podcast. I'm here for that. That's the other thing is that like you you can listen to songs that are quote unquote straight and, and like read them as queer. That was a really very poorly articulated. I didn't say anything of value. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You can if it. That's that's another thing that is harder to do with a visual medium. If you if you need a song to be about whatever you're feeling or whatever you're identifying as, it's a little easier to kind of like shoehorn it in there. Yeah. I was um I saw some a meme that was like I feel like every episode I can't get through without being like I saw a meme that says this <laughs> um but I saw something on the internet that was like have you seen the kombucha lady memes? 
No. It's like a lady who was trying kombucha for the first time, and she's like, mm, not so much at first. And then she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so people will do like, you know, like one thing that you're not so sure about, and then a related thing that you're like, wait a minute, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like artists changing the pronouns to clarify that they're straight, like when a female singer will change the word she in a cover to he, and you're like, like you could have, like, who, no one's that worried, but it's, like, street signaling, um, (laughs) and everyone knows it's a cover, no one's, like, oh, yes, yeah, so that's the, like, uh, not so sure about that, and then the other side is, like, um, keeping the pronouns to signal that you're queer, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and it's, like, oh, yeah, okay, Okay. You do like that, though. <laughs> we are here for that. That's perfect. Um, yeah, so do we want to talk about some bisexual artists we found out about? Yes, I do. I do. do you okay, start? I'll start. You want to start? <laughs> I can go. I already talked about, um, you know, Mika leading me to Freddie Mercury. Tell me about Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. I thought he was gay for the longest time. I had I no did. idea. I did, too. And I think that's a pretty common misconception freddie mercury was the lead singer of the rock band queen which is very popular in the 70s and 80s Uh, freddie mercury died tragically young uh, from aids he announced he had aids and i think the next day he died yeah um but he was a known bisexual he dated for a years and years a woman named mary austin who he called the love of his life he wrote a song called love of my life about her (laughs) um and after they were not together anymore he openly pursued romantic and sexual relationships with men and perhaps before i don't know Um, but his bisexuality is often erased and i myself didn't know he was not gay until I was in my 20s, by which time I had been listening to Queen for years and years. Um, He was intensely private about his personal life, uh, which he had every right to be. I don't, I don't know. I'm not here for celebrities having to be all out there with their personal lives. He is noted for being, I think he's notable for being a male musician and maybe i'm giving him too much credit for this but a male musician in the 70s and 80s who wasn't a total dick to women (laughs) (laughs) and like i think probably also just a really genuinely good person from what i've read about him love his music it's great pump up music he has some stellar love songs and it is just generally music that's about the human experience and not always knowing what to do but just wanting to be fabulous for Mm -hmm. as long as possible which is that's a good philosophy I think yeah I've always loved um, Queens has really good music for when you're feeling unbounded joy yes That's when I've really loved Queen, just like, 
the song You're My Best Friend and being like, oh, like walking down the street with the sun shining and I'm like going to hang out with all my friends and I'm just like, oh, life is amazing. Yeah, some very good songs that make you feel like everything's going to be okay. If you need that, you know, put some put some queen in your rotation. Yeah, for so sure. Good shit. I, I am sorry. I am not a musician. I will not this episode be able to like call out specific musical achievements <laughs> um, but I can say that to me it's Queen's music is joyful celebratory music I'm also not a musician but I, I'm gonna maybe I'll make up some music facts Freddie Mercury invented the key change uh yeah yeah that sounds so, right Noted bisexual, who most known for inventing the key change. He had a well. This I know. He had a he had an incredible falsetto. He could really. That's true. He could do that. <laughs> Annie, you're fucking killing it. Not a lot of That's men great. can do that. Um, one of my favorite drinking games when we were in college was you would put on Bohemian Rhapsody. And everyone's, like, in the kitchen at the party, and you just make eye contact with everybody, and if anybody doesn't know the words, they have to drink. So for whatever verse you don't know, that person has to drink. But then you're just, like, mostly you're making eye contact with your friends and just, like, screaming the lyrics into each other. And then there's, like, one person in the corner who's, like, I literally don't know any of the words <laughs> to this song. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, like, holding my cup up to my mouth hoping no one notices. <laughs> that person needs to go home and study. I know. I'm, like, I hope that you learn so that next time you're – I hope you learn for your own sake. Yes. I was really, in high school, I got really into Queen, and I especially loved um, Freddie Mercury and David Bowie's song, Under Pressure. That one really spoke to me. Another joyful song that is kind of about, like, the terrors of having responsibilities. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And another um, joyful bisexual. Yeah. So David Bowie was much more vocal about his bisexuality. Um, There's a lot of, like, television interviews. Honestly, I wrote David Bowie down, and then I didn't do any additional research. I was like, I know everything about David Bowie. We're good. It's false. I don't. Um, But David Bowie was really kind of brought um, androgyny to the forefront in the 70s. Um, He was kind of, like, kind of defines, like, genre classification. He was very transformative in his own work in that he didn't stay with one look or sound or even kind of like medium for too long. Is that true? David Bowie did more than just music. He acted, he wrote, I think, as well. And then he did a lot of like kind of extensive, almost performance art. Um, So coming up with, like, you may have heard of Ziggy Stardust, which is a character that David Bowie created and embodied. In television interviews, particularly, you can see people asking him, like, so you said that you're bisexual. And he's like, yep. And they're like, do you want to expand? He's like, no, I've said it all. What else is there to say? I'm bisexual. 
And yeah, what are, what are you asking me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very it's very interesting to watch. Well, we can link to some of those. Um, but yeah, he was, I think, very outspoken using the term bisexual very early on. I would say it was probably rare for men at the time to be identifying that way. Because it's yeah. still rare today. We need, we need another David Bowie. We need another Freddie Mercury. I mean, they're not, they're inimitable, but like, we gotta, we gotta get some like, iconic bisexual men back in the media. I mean, I think we're making slow strides. Yeah, David Bowie's great. If you've never listened to David Bowie, it's excellent. You've you've certainly heard David Bowie songs. Yeah, I mean, if you've never listened to David Bowie, that's great, because now you get to listen to all of David Bowie right after yeah. you finish listening to this podcast. It's going to be amazing. And David Bowie is such... Um, like looking I would suggest looking at like do a Google image search because <laughs> David Bowie is stunning to look at um he has like near alien features in a very beautiful way that I think he certainly was aware of and like amplified during certain times in his career a lot of his stuff was like there was a while where there was it was very big on space we had just landed on the moon Space was a big thing. Uh, still is. Um, space was great. Oh, yeah. So David Bowie ended up doing a lot of, like, space-themed music and videos and costume design and production. And a lot of cocaine, too. Yeah. I mean, everyone was, though. Yeah. It really turns your art up to 11. <laughs> it does. Following in... David Bowie and Freddie Mercury's footsteps, I would say, are, uh, well, following in their footsteps is Billy Joe Armstrong from from Green Day, Uh, particularly following in the footsteps of being very vocal about being bisexual um, and perhaps having his bisexuality erased. (laughs) Because I was also listening to Green Day probably at the same time that I got really into Queen I think American Idiot came out when I was in high school and I was instantly like yes yes please I just went back and re-listened to it and that record fucking slaps dude (laughs) it's good I think um I think American Idiot I don't I think American Idiot came out at a time where I was very like oh like I prefer old Green Day okay yeah so I w- it does deserve a re-listen, I think, for, from me. From me, a, a hater who was, like, also hardcore listening to Wake Me Up When September Ends at the same time. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah no, it's uh, it bears re-listening to in Trump's America. It's uh, it's very angry white man, which is not not something we maybe need more of, but it's, it's good for uh, if you really need to, like, go out and do some running or like working out it's like some good angry music i do feel like so it was uh released during george w bush's presidential administration um i feel like when trump got elected everyone was like everyone in my circles was like we're gonna have the best pop punk records ever (laughs) like we're gonna get the most like gnarly shit out of this and i think that was ultimately a nod to like Green Day and other bands who've done some, like, really political punk. But, yeah, he's always – I think it was in 1994 that he first 
talked about being bisexual. Um, he specifically mentioned the song Coming Clean off of Dookie, which is a perfect album. If you <laughs> haven't ever listened to it, please go listen to it. And he said that kids will always stop to think about the fact of the possibilities of not knowing what their sexuality is all about. Am I homosexual? Am I bisexual? Am I heterosexual? Am I no sexual? Or am I just plain sexual? People don't know what the fuck they are. I struggle with that too. It's part of adolescence and growing up. But he has also said that he's currently married to a woman, uh, has been for a long time, but he's still like, yep, I'm still bisexual though, which yeah. is true. That's how it works. I also kind of like no sexual instead yeah, no of sexual. asexual. <laughs> I like that. I think it works. I, I wonder if, it works. I wonder if asexual people like that term or like, no, we, we just, we have a word already. Thanks though. I feel like no sexual was the predecessor. Like yeah. we had, we did bi curious back in the nineties. Maybe no sexual, maybe Billy Joel was the only one talking about no sexuals no out sexuals. here. I think What's you should good? talk about Michael Stipe from REM because Michael I feel like that Stipe. flows decently. Yes, so a contemporary of Green Day was the alt-rock band R.E.M., uh, which I also loved in high school. Fucking loved R.E.M. Night Swimming, one of the greatest songs ever. Night Swimming. (laughs) (laughs) I went to an Ingrid Michaelson concert in college where she did a looped version of Night Swimming that brought me to tears. (laughs) it did oh my god that sounds amazing it was great Um, also the gayest sentence you've ever said (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i yeah i did that um michael stipe from rem has said that he does not like the term bisexual although he has also said he doesn't really feel like part of the gay community um he told out magazine in 1995 that um he's kind of i don't this is an old interview so maybe he has found a way to define his sexuality in a a way that he likes but he said i presume that a lot of people just thought i was 100 percent homosexual referring to his career up until that point um he said that's not really the case nor am i 100 percent heterosexual nor do i adhere to or appreciate the label bisexual. I hesitate to call him anything because he doesn't like any of those. Uh, and I don't know how he feels about the term queer or if he has since made peace with one of these labels. But um, interesting to to note once again that I had no idea that Michael Stipe was anything but straight. Same. When, no he, when this quote says, I assumed everyone like thought I was just 100% homosexual. I was like, well, I've never done any research on R.E.M. besides listening to them, but I thought 100% straight. I was like, this is a straight band. Yeah, it's that's funny that I have had experiences where I've listened to music men like, this is queer music, and then experiences where I was like, this is straight-ass music, and it's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if your favorite band or musician sounds real, real straight, you maybe still want to Google it. Maybe you'll yeah. learn something new. Do some research. And at the very least, after you've done your research, you can just pretend like it's 
Great music. <laughs> just I, then you I can just that. change everything just, just a little just, bit. Just a little bit. What else do we have on here? Amy Winehouse was probably hitting up the London club scene a few years after I was listening to R.E.M. and Green Day. <laughs> you were going to say, like, after I was? <laughs> yeah, after Maybe. I was hitting up the clubs. I had uh, no, no idea. She was, she was, like, aughts, the yeah. 2000s. Yeah. Beautiful person. Beautiful voice. I love Amy Winehouse. I got her album as a gift for Christmas once from an uh, ex-girlfriend. Listened to to it all through college. Great music. And another person that I think some of her songs I listened to from that time. And because I was I was wanting them very badly to be queer music, I listened to them that way. Um, but I didn't know that she was bisexual uh, until researching it just now. And I was like, holy shit. Same. <laughs> This is like, going it, on it, the show. It seems so obvious now, but right. I had no idea. Right, right. I think it was because I was like following her relationship with uh, Blake Fielder, and that was obviously a huge preoccupation of hers. I just never occurred to me that she was falling in love with any women. But <laughs> there's this quote from... What newspaper is this? Oh, it's The Advocate. It's pretty snarky. She really got mistreated by the press. That's obviously been talked about a lot, but there's this quote from The Advocate from uh, 2010 uh, that says... The revelation that Winehouse is bisexual arrives as Winehouse 26 fields rumors that her ex-husband Blake Fielder Civil, for whom Winehouse carries a torch, had an affair with a transgender woman. So what? Winehouse told friends, according to News of the World. I like girls as well. I've had relationships with other women, but that doesn't mean I don't still love Blake. So there you go. Amy Winehouse just casually being like, yeah, I love women, but I, I love Blake. Which is too bad. (laughs) (laughs) I also feel like um, this is very for like media centered to be talking about transgender people in a way that is like not offensive even as early as or as recently as 2010. There's some stuff that I'm like, oh, yikes, that didn't age well. So it's nice to hear a quote where like Amy Winehouse isn't like, oh, well, blah, 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 the focus is on this woman being transgender because that's, to me, what the advocate's trying to get at is, yep, like, exactly. is that. And I love that she's just like, so what? I love women, too. And you're like, yes, Amy, thank you. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think she was so smart. I think she kind of probably knew right away that they were trying to get her to say something really fucked up about transgender women. And I think she was instantly like, nope, sorry. And also, I'm bi. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, like, get the fuck out of my face. Why are you trying to do this shit? You're just full of hate. Ugh, Amy. She's perfect. Um, I feel like a a lot of, like, a lot of Amy Winehouse's music is very, like, smoky and soulful. Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of, like, the queen of that would be Billie Holiday. 
Ah, true. Who I had never heard about being bisexual before following the Bi History Instagram that you shared with us. Yeah, and it said that Billie Holiday was openly bisexual and reportedly had a relationship with actress Tallulah Bankhead. I mean, this is this is coming from multiple sources. We read this, we read about this in Bi History. I rediscovered it when I was researching this episode. And it's because this is far too long ago for her to be talking openly about bisexuality. We've talked about how terms that we understand as meaning bisexual probably weren't the same even when Billie Holiday was around, um, which was, I don't know, 100 years ago? <laughs> the 20s? Was she in the 20s and 30s? Um, uh, Strange Fruit came out in 1939. So, I don't know, yeah. I mean, 80, 90 years ago. We are... Not far enough along for Strange Fruit to have come out less than a hundred years ago. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, it just, it probably wouldn't have been possible for her to be talking about bisexuality and her bisexuality or her sexuality at all in interviews. Um, but the fact that, that she is remembered as being someone who loved women is very cool. And she's beautiful and her music is very hachi machi. Yeah. Incredible musician, yeah. incredible singer. The The nice thing about being alive today is, well, the nice and the shitty thing about being alive today is that there are plenty of opportunities for the celebrities that, that you love because they make great music or because they wear cool clothes or wherever you like the, the people that you like. It's acceptable for them to be a bit more open about their sexuality, particularly if they're women. For example, the singer, Sia. Sia? I always say Sia, but... Sia? S-I-A? I think it's Sia. Sia. Whose music I love, who just had like, I don't know, she was in the news because she went to Walmart or Target or something and just paid for a bunch of people's groceries which is exactly what i would do if i had a fuck ton of money just go places and pay for people shit it sounds awesome but she came out on twitter in 2013 she said i'm queer i don't really identify as a lesbian because i've dated predominantly men but i've certainly dated women i know that she she has made some music that could definitely be read as as queer music great dance music as well which i would you know the queers appreciate. We love we love a good what do the kids say? We love a good bop. A bop. Yep. Um so you have fantastic music and I just wanna flag Chandelier is a great song about drinking too much. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Definitely on my like oh booze playlist. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think a similar kind of like personality to see it in this like outwardly queer unusual if you don't know who Sia is she's the artist who has like a giant black and white wig covering her face mm, yep um so that kind of like mythical like almost monstrous uh personality and persona I think is right in line with Lady Gaga who's also an out bisexual uh performer loved by the queer community um I think she's been a really strong 
advocate uh, for the queer community. And it's really interesting because a bunch of the articles that I looked up were her defending her bisexuality. Um, so papers, I think we're kind of accusing her of like queer baiting or trying to align herself. As far as I know, from the day she became like public, like widely popular, like the queer community was like, we're here for you. We stand Lady Gaga. We're going to invent the term stand for Lady Gaga. <laughs> it's upsetting that newspapers would accuse her of like falsely claiming bisexuality I think just because she's like had public relationships with men that was my read on it that they're kind of like oh you're trying to like queer bait the queer community but I'm like she's already got our hearts and minds yeah, she doesn't need to she yeah she doesn't had the gaze in her pocket from day one <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's just so it's so wild to me that that was the assumption and that she now has to be like, I'm not lying about it. Like, why would I? Come on, guys. That's that's stupid. Yikes. Yeah, it's crazy that with so many of the men that we've talked about, it's they come out as bisexual repeatedly and still their bisexuality is erased. And the women come out as bisexual and the media's like, hmm. We don't actually, we don't think so. We think you're faking. So it's like, those are the two options. You can either be erased or be called a liar. I feel like it's also, um, it's interesting because I feel like all of the celebrities that we've talked about, um, whatever relationships you're having publicly are the one that you're getting assigned. So people are like, okay, like that's my assumption as like you as a baseline even when these folks are saying repeatedly, like, no, 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 I'm bisexual. They're like, won't believe it till I see it. Right. And it's the weird, like, you're not valid until you prove it to me. We can talk about a couple, lesbian couple, who was in a band together. Yes. Carrie yes. Brownstein and Corinne Tucker. Yes. This is always an interesting dynamic to me. I wanted to pull it out specifically because... I've always wondered what it's like to be in a band with someone you're dating. Is that a good, is that a good idea? They were, and they were in, uh, they were in Sleater Kenny Sleater together. Kenny, yeah. And I was like, are either of them the member who recently left? Is Corinne, did Corinne leave? I don't remember. Um, I don't know. I'm not up to date on my, my Sleater Kenny trivia. I think they recently went on tour, and I think that uh, one of the three core members said it would be their last tour, like their, the, that individual's last tour with the band, um, but I can't remember which member it was. But yeah, I did not know that they dated. It's weird. I wouldn't want to date a person I had to... Maybe, maybe I would. I don't know. Carrie Brownstein, Corinne Tucker, we're both in Sleater Kinney. They have both dated other men and women publicly. It doesn't matter if it's publicly or privately, but they both dated both men and women. I didn't know this until I started researching this episode, but they were dating while they were in the band together, which always strikes me as like a risky move. 
the the old Fleetwood Mac dilemma. You could break up and then still have to make music together, and it seems really bad. But you might also make one of the very best albums of all time. I mean, maybe maybe that's a reason to like force dating someone that you're in a band with. I have to say, uh, my ex was a musician, and when we broke up, I was like, man, if if I don't get a scathing record about me, I did not. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Come on, man. <laughs> Maybe it's still coming. It's still brewing. We can only hope. We can yeah. only hope. Yeah, I mean, also, I would not want to piss off a Riot Girl musician or a fellow Riot Girl musician. You know that shit's going to get angry in the music. Yeah, do you know how the... I'm assuming that they broke up. Do you know how that breakup went? As they're obviously still at least have done two more albums. I'm assuming they didn't break up like this past year. No, it was decades ago, I think. Maybe not amicably at first, but eventually they they collaborated again. They did have a while of a hiatus. Yeah. 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 So maybe that's why. Yeah. I actually have, um, I called out uh, Weekend Friends who are from Portland, Oregon, or Maine. I can't remember which. So we'll just say they're from Portland. Um, <laughs> and they, I went to see them at like a little divey bar. I was looking at people in the crowd. I was there alone. I was looking at people in the crowd, and I was like, oh, that's like a really cute queer couple or two best friends. <laughs> and I can't quite tell. And then they got on stage, and I was like, well, now they they definitely think that I was staring at them because they're in the band. But, I, okay, now I'm that weirdo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I, I, I was just trying to figure out, like, are they dating or are they just friends? And it turns out that they're married, the lead singer and the bassist. But the lead singer also mentioned, like, dating men in the past. So I don't want to erase or presume her bisexuality. But potential bisexual lead who's also married to her band member, bandmate. Just assumed a bunch of pronouns. So sorry, (laughs) everyone, if I'm wrong on any of those. Um, Yeah, they also fucking rip their new album, Common Blah, is amazing. Artistry. Yeah, and there's a bunch of musicians who are currently making music, queer music, queer musicians making queer music. Some of them are happening in this indie scene. A lot of them are happening in the popular music scene. Artists like Miley Cyrus uh, wrote a song the other year, last year, the year before, called She's Not Him, about having a male partner, not negating a previous relationship with a woman. It's a great it's a great topic. More songs should be about that. Janelle Monet Make Me Feel, a song about feeling intense sexual feelings for a woman. Uh, wow. Presumably. The music video definitely uh, implies. implies that. Halsey. Out Bisexual Halsey's Bad at Love. Great Bisexual Anthem. Panic at the Discos. Girls, Girls, Boys. Another Bisexual Anthem. Frank Ocean's Chanel, all about bisexuality and how complicated it can be. Um, um, I am so stupid. Why? What? 
Frank Ocean's channel. Nope. Okay. I've read it as channel like 92 times. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, well, channel, cool. That's it. Chanel. He did mm. have an album called Channel Orange, so it's easy to mix all that up. It's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how you got there. And then you have Bright Eyes, Lover I Don't Have to Love, which I saw in your notes, and I was like, wow, I, w- I loved Bright Eyes. And I never, ever, 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 ever read it like this, even slightly, which it's so obvious. Yeah, I don't know what, I was reading an article about songs about bisexuality. Bright Eyes, if you're a younger person, was an indie rock band from the 90s and aughts that um, was kind of like shoegazy, kind of slow and sweet. This article is talking about how it's a bisexual song about loving men, but like not wanting to have sex with men. I don't know. You can you can make up your mind about that. I wasn't sure where in the episode to mention it because it's not like a outward bright eyes isn't like a huge iconic. Well, for some people, it is a huge musical act. I literally was just like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) I would say bright eyes is very iconic for like. The early aughts emo and pop, like, emo indie, indie folk. Bright Eyes is Connor Oberst, who you may have heard of. Um, Better Oblivion community. A Better Oblivion community with Phoebe Bridges. Uh, another out bisexual indie musician um, is his latest project. But he's pretty prolific in the indie music scene since, like, 1995 or something like that. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just ranted about Connor Oberst instead of what I wanted to say about the song. <laughs> Lover, I don't have to love. It's interesting that they said it's about um, somebody that you want but you don't want to be sexual with. Because I would read it the other way. That it's wanting to be with a guy sexy-wise but uh-huh. not wanting any emotions. Interesting. Because it's like, I want a lover I don't have to love. I want a boy who's so drunk he doesn't talk or who's drunk to give a fuck, or something like that. It's, like, questionable on the consent front. Um, but it's, yeah. like, all physical. There, There's, like, your hands on me. Let's just keep touching. <laughs> Let's just keep, keep singing. Yeah, it's very physical. My roommate is going to be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, sorry, that's just a bright eyes right now. But I, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh yeah, it's, so I don't know why in my mind I was like, oh, he's singing from, it's because I was straight when I was listening to this, or I thought I was, thought I was straight when I was listening to this. Yeah. And I was like, he's singing from the perspective of a woman. <laughs> like, excellent. So maybe, dumb. maybe. I don't Foolish. know. Could be, could be a writing exercise. Could be. Um, most recently, like earlier this week, we uh, got a tip from Jade on Instagram, um, and she alerted us to Liam Payne's new song, um, and it is called Both Ways. She wanted us to talk about this uh, because the Twitter community kind of blew up about the negativity slash fetishization of bisexuality. In this song, it's it was like trending on Twitter within 24 hours because people are like, 
what the fuck is this? Did you listen to it? I did, and I read a lot of BuzzFeed articles about it. What was BuzzFeed's take? They were like, yeah, it's it's weird. It's messed up. It's messed up. Lee, I had no idea. Liam Payne is um, a former member of One Direction. So while he's writing songs with lyrics like, my girl, she likes it both ways. She liked the way it all tastes. And it's very... It's very like, oh, my girl's bisexual and I get to be there for it. And it's for me. It's I, I didn't pull out the lyric, but there was one lyric that was like something along the lines of like, she likes it, but she likes it better when she's doing it for me. Um, which is maybe talking about voyeurism, but it's not like she likes it when she's getting it from anybody and I'm watching, which is maybe not a cool way to say that, but like. <laughs> you know, it's it's certainly fetishizing bisexuality. Um, it's interesting that while he's doing this, Harry Styles is getting like mad accolades for being an adopted bicon. He's certainly an ally to the LGBT community, but he has not come out as anything. Did you have any hot takes on this? Sorry, I just ranted about it. My coffee's <laughs> kicking in now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I think you said it. It's gross to do this. It's really weird. I don't know what he thought he was it it even seems like one of those things Liam Payne is like a name that I've heard I'm not a One Directions guy I was a little too old for them I feel like this is the song that you come out with as you're fading into irrelevance in order to like stir the pot a little yeah (laughs) that's my that's my take yeah be like oh this is gonna piss some people off but it'll get a bunch of media attention but maybe maybe someone will talk about me instead of my former bandmate for 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. It's nice to hear that the consensus among, like, professional media is also, like, the take is that it's gross. It's gross. Instead of – I feel like sometimes this stuff happens and it's, like, great new bisexual anthem. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing I read was, like, this is a great song for the queers. This is really good for them. It was all, like, this is weird – no one no one asked for this weird gross no thank you yeah so thanks jade for that tip sending yeah, it along you, in a jade. super timely fashion also um, yeah perfectly relevant to us yeah it was perfect so besides jade's tip on um liam payne i keep wanting to just call him harry styles because harry styles is the only person from one direction that i, I know i'm like Poor, poor, poor man's Harry Styles. <laughs> we got some some listeners writing in about their preferred bisexual musical artists or just bisexual musical artists that they know. Uh, they they responded to us on Instagram. Our Instagram handle, by the way, is hello goodbyes at hello goodbyes. Someone someone pointed out the oft controversial music artist uh, Azealia Banks who considers herself bisexual, but of course said, I'm not trying to be like the bisexual lesbian rapper. Two different things. I don't live on other people's terms. Uh, Vanessa Carlton came out at Nashville Pride in 2010. She said, I've never said this before, but I am a proud bisexual woman. Yeah, which then then uh, we re-listened to White Houses, and I was like, oh, she's in love with these uh, five girls she's living with this summer. <laughs> Probably one of the five girls, but 
Yeah, uh, Jodie Clark, who uh, is like an indie singer-songwriter, uh, very vocal about her bisexuality, and released a bisexual coming out song on YouTube for people to use when they're coming out. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, it's really cute. Kurt Cobain, you may have heard of him from the band Nirvana. 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 Um, in an interview with The Advocate in 1993, Advocate was really getting the scoop, huh? Yeah. Um, in the 90s. Uh, he said that he was, quote, gay in spirit and probably could be bisexual. <laughs> he also said that he got beat up a lot because he had a bunch of gay friends. Um, it was the 90s, so I do believe that part. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't believe his bisexuality. Um, it's just, it's very interesting to read the way that people were talking about bisexuality, particularly male bisexual. Well, I don't know about female bisexual. The way that people were talking about bisexuality in the early 90s, because it makes sense to me that we were using the word bi-curious. Because a lot of people are talking about it as like a, like, I'm not really sure, and I think that's because of a lack of representation and a lack of like validation from external sources. Being like, you right. can ju- you can be bisexual and like have never done anything sexual, and that's okay. Like, yeah, you're still bisexual enough. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder what Kurt Cobain would identify now as uh, Cardi B. <laughs> Rose has a note here. Should she change her name to Cardi Bi, though? <laughs> uh, she came out after getting questions about her song Girls trivializing LGBTQ relationships. Uh, I assume recently. Cardi Bi, I like that a lot. I think it's a good opportunity to rebrand. <laughs> um, there's also like a whole slew of super, super talented female musicians and um, like queer bands that are really rocking the indie scene. I spent a lot of time Googling like artist name and queer question mark. So I just want to call out some who I was able to identify as bisexual, queer, or um, saying in interviews that they don't really identify but have been involved in same-sex relationships. Phoebe Bridgers, who I mentioned earlier, you may know her from a better oblivion community. I feel like I'm forgetting one of the, it's like her project with Connor over. So I forget the name of it. Boy genius, which she did with like Lucy Dacus and someone else who I'm forgetting. I'm not good in the morning. I need to have better notes. Um, <laughs> the greeting committees, Addie Sertino, uh, Sydney Gish, Lucy Dacus, Claro, um, weekend friends who I mentioned earlier. And there are a lot, a lot more that I'm missing. If you kind of like dive into any of these artists and you're into them, um, their adjacent artists are often also queer friendly bands. Should we talk about some by lights? By lights, yes. I just saw Frozen 2. Did you see Frozen 2? No, how was it? I want to know. It was fine. They have one banging song that's like a total earworm. It's stuck in my head. Is it the song you posted on your Instagram story? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, what is this song? It sounds great. Into the unknown. I like it. Anyways. Okay. Sorry. Bye, lights. Uh, This week... 
Teen Vogue published an article called Why Bisexual Women Are at a Higher Risk for Violence. Teen Vogue getting major brownie points these past few years for tackling extremely important socio-political topics, (laughs) including this one. Mm -hmm. Um, They wrote that... According to the CDC's 2010 National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey, 61% of bisexuals will be raped, stalked, or abused. One or more recent study found that 75% of bisexual women report being victimized. Uh, we're more likely to be sexually assaulted in college. We're also more likely to live in poverty and be at a risk of substance abuse. By men also share some of these heightened risks. And because of the effects of structural racism by women of color, particularly black by women, experience higher rates of victimization and more challenges to recovery, transgender people are also at an increased risk. So... Just some great reporting by Teen Vogue. It's an older study, but I think it's still valid and is awesome that it's being talked about. Yeah, and I it- think it's interesting that they're bringing up a, a such an old study. Did they give it any framing of like why they're talking about it now? Or was it just like, we've got a platform. Why aren't we talking about this? Um... It doesn't say why they are talking about this. The author of this article is bisexual. Yeah, not Maybe. to say that I think there's nefarious uh, motives going on or that this is something that should not be talked about. Actually, December 6th was the nat- National Day of International. December 6th was uh, a new... Day of Remembrance, Advocacy, and Accountability for Femicide. So when women are killed, um, think, and often by their partners, uh, it's a new a new initiative that's starting on December 6th, which was just a few days ago. So yeah, I think this is still important. I did want to pull up the National Domestic Violence Hotline um, in the U.S., just in case anyone is in a situation that they need help strategizing to get out of it's 1-800-799-7233 you can also chat with somebody online and uh, their website has a lot of cool features for quick exiting of your web browser in case your partner is monitoring your web use very good tool to have just i know we've said it before but um yeah bisexuals are at an increased risk for violence um so if you have been exposed to violence in your relationships or just daily life uh, you're not alone um and there are tools for you uh another bylight the new scientist uh reported that this is their headline it's a terrible headline it like it's cringy new rules for gay and bisexual male blood donors found to be safe (laughs) Is it's in the UK. It's uh, not about donating blood in the US, but just a terrible article altogether. This is all. I mean, it's not terrible because it's untrue. It's just whoever wrote it had to editorialize in this very weird way. Um, but basically, the gist of it is that uh, because of modern blood screening technology um, that can detect HIV and hepatitis within one month of a person being infected. Um, 
gay and bisexual men in the UK are now being allowed to donate blood more often. Um, they couldn't before because it took uh, longer to detect whether or not their blood had hepatitis or HIV in it. Um, and since those communities were more likely to contract those diseases, they were barred from donating blood. It's, it's a tricky subject to even talk about the way that the author of this article did it. It's particularly bad. Uh, the author said that most rich countries, which, what the fuck does that mean? Including the U.S. and Australia only allow men to have, who have sex, only men allow men to have sex with men. <laughs> Um, including the u.s and australia only allow men who have sex with men to donate blood if they have abstained from sex for at least 12 months because men in these countries have a higher risk of getting hiv and hepatitis from sex and now that there's this new technology in the uk at least they're uh they're letting uh gay and bisexual men donate blood much much sooner which is great we need more blood we need more blood, certainly. The NIH recently uh, released a study, question mark? Said yes. In a news article. Okay. Uh, that gay and bisexual men are agreeing that HIV, when it comes to HIV, undetectable equals untransmittable. So that means if your levels of the things that indicate HIV in your bloodstream are below a certain threshold, that you also cannot transmit it, it's completely a manageable disease if you have affordable health care uh, and are able to have free and easy access to your medicine. Um, I can't speak to other countries, but particularly, particularly in the United States, it can be difficult to even get an HIV test in certain areas of the country. So let alone what happens if your test comes back positive and then you need to navigate um, getting the funding and access to your antiretroviral therapy, which is what treats HIV and makes it a maintainable illness. So yeah, but if we can get anyone who is HIV positive to have easy and affordable access to their medication, then they can keep their levels at an undetectable, th below the detectable threshold, and then they're not able to transmit it to partners yeah which is great so the study showed that of nearly my reading of the study is that it sounds like basically no one's funding researching hiv this this phenomenon of undetectable equals untransmittable um u equals u which is their slogan so this study is a survey of uh, men who sleep with men's perception of this so like it's unfortunately kind of up to the community to figure this out on their own yeah yeah and luckily i think men who have sex with men are um are grasping this uh undetectable equals untransmittable reality yeah. uh which is great it's great G yeah. another good news item which is i like <laughs> I was really gunning for some positive news in here, and I, I yeah. found some. The next I one, not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Cure.com, a uh, cancer website, had an article out that said, gay, lesbian, and bisexual cancer survivors face more dis difficulties with care. 
the worst kind of news uh, in a study of 70,000 cancer survivors. The, the study found that LGB women, more LGB women than men face disparities. Um, 42.7% of the LGB women had more difficulty accessing care compared to 28% of heterosexual women. Uh, in addition, LGB women had higher odds of poor physical and mental quality of life and trouble concentrating compared to heter- heterosexual women. It's hard to read about. Yeah, that shit. This is like, it seems kind of obvious to me, but uh, it's always good to have numbers to back you up. So Angela Ruskin. Oh, Anglia. Anglia Ruskin University found that family support reduces the chance of school and workplace bullying. So support your people. You're right. It does seem obvious. <laughs> oh, there's more facts right underneath of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the study was published in the International Journal of Manpower and found that gay and bisexual men have been 31% less likely to be frequently bullied at school if they were from a supportive family background. For lesbian and bisexual women, that figure was 25.6%. It's a very yeah. significant drop. I've, I feel like it uh, being supported at home boosts your confidence. So, like, it's not, not that not to victim blame here, but like part of the satisfaction that bullies get is like needling you and getting to you. So if you're like super confident and you're just like, yeah, I'm real gay. What's up? You trying to kiss or whatever, like, you know, whatever you're maybe don't try to make out with your bully, but like whatever you're saying, it's not going to be have that satisfaction of like, oh, this person got so upset. I don't know why bullies are getting satisfaction out of that. That's a, they're maybe not coming from a supportive household. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Um, You should cover the next one because I have been actively avoiding impeachment stuff. That's totally fine. Um, So you may have been listening to the impeachment hearings or reading about them or hearing about them in the news. Um, Pamela Carlin is a Stanford Law School professor, um, a self-described, quote, snarky bisexual, um, and she has been the, I forget exactly what she is called, she's on the panel of legal experts debating whether the president should be impeached, Um, and she is kind of on fire. Hell yeah. So if you've heard anything about her and you're like, Who's this, like, fierce, dope, powerful lady? Um, it might be Pamela Carlin. So you might want to check her out. Sweet. I might. Also recently released, like, a, a short movie called Bicycle um, about a bisexual male comedian. I haven't watched it yet, um, but I wanted to flag that it's up there. It's on the oh, internet yeah. for free. I have not watched it yet either but i was just reading the article about it and it sounds great sounds really fun if you watched us let us know what you think if you watched it don't watch us not a visual medium (laughs) just listen to us watch the movie listen to us a little by history for you i assume this episode will come out in january so i picked an event from january of 1948 
On January 5th, 1948, Alfred Kinsey's Sexual Behavior in the Human Male was published. It was one of two Kinsey reports. The other one was Sexual Behavior in the Human Female. Uh, It was a milestone to a scientific approach uh, for understanding human sexual behavior. Um, Kinsey and his researchers were just trying to get more information about human sexuality and how our bodies react to sexual stimuli and how our minds react. Um, They used firsthand interviews to gather their data um, from 5,300 men at the time uh, over a 15-year period, and it was really the first study of its kind. I have a weird question that I just thought of. Um, Do you know if Kinsey was releasing any, like, journal articles during this 15-year period because it seems like a long I mean research obviously takes a a long amount of time but like he must have been getting some action around this because like you need funding to keep traveling and talking to different folks right like yeah that's a good question I've literally never thought about it before but have you ever seen the movie Kinsey I have never seen Kinsey I saw it when I was like 14 so i'd be interested to see it again yeah 15 years is a long time to go without publishing anything there must be something yeah even just like he's doing this research and here's what he's hoping you know those like articles that aren't telling you any information but are like drumming up interest around the data set that's being collected man kinsey was a real a real kind of guy, wasn't he? What are you learning? Anything weird? Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to share if it's. It's so interesting. He was a notable. I didn't know this. I can't believe I didn't know this. He was a a notable botanist. He studied biology and botany a lot, and a lot of his early publications are about botany. And. Like, not about human sexuality at all, which is so funny. I actually oh, think I knew that from the movie. That's so funny. And insects? He studied insects? I didn't know this shit. Guy. I wonder how he made that transition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of heartening, honestly. I like that he comes from, like, studying biology. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's Bising stars. It's time for bising stars. Bising to the top. <clears throat> yep. Um, my bising star <clears throat> is Jamie Barton, who is a dope opera singer, um, openly bisexual, and this year... She wore, like, a really, really beautiful dress to an award ceremony at the Proms, which I think is an opera award. Proms is Britain's biggest classical music festival. So oh, cool. she she wore this beautiful gown that has a big cape, and when you lift it up, it has the Bi Pride flag in it. Um, so she's extremely out and open. I, I wrote a note to pull her accolades, but I forgot to do it. So go Google her. But she commented that the classical music industry is super queer and has been for centuries. And it's one of the reasons 
that she found a home in classical music. Quote, I very quickly identified my people. I came out later in life, and the coming out process, which I would say went through fairly quickly, was something that I had very little fear about because I knew that the people surrounding me in both my job and also in my family, logical and biological, were going to support me. I was very lucky. Logical and biological. I really I like, like that. that. I really like that. I've never heard it put that way, and I really like it. Yeah, I, I read this whole article about her. She seems like one of the coolest people ever. Yeah, she's so very cool. check her out. I'm, I'm very excited to for you guys to see this cape. Yeah, the cape <laughs> is awesome. The cape is very, very good. We should get her on the show. <sighs> Jamie Barton. I'd be like, hi, Jamie. I know nothing about opera. Let's oh, talk. Yeah, I don't know anything about opera. I like opera, but I don't know anything about opera. Should we um, call this season one and then do season two where we just ask bisexual people to come on and explain their field to us? Yeah, that sounds like a great show. Hello, goodbyes, colon, career path. (laughs) Who's your bising Uh, star? My bising star is Arlo Parks. She's a British singer and poet. I found her when I was looking through catalogs of bisexual artists um she was mentioned i think on billboard uh for her song sophie uh, but also her song cola was very good she's just got a beautiful voice kind of both songs are kind of melancholy and sweet i mean she's 18 years old it's very teenage romance feels which i don't know i like that I like that, like, feeling of being lost and love being, like, such an important part of your life. I hate saying this because it still is, but, like, you know, it was much bigger when I was a teen. So she's great. Listen to her music. Uh, Her European tour kicks off in January. So if you are in Europe uh, in the spring, go to one of her shows. Could be fun. I love it. We should go to Europe in the spring. We should. Okay. Call for advice. Uh, my call for advice, I just moved, trying to find where the buys are, where the queers are. How do you find a new queer hangout? Great question. Um, I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. And how do, what resources are you using to determine the safety of being out when you're traveling to a new city? I guess that would come before trying to find a hangout. Should I even try and find a hangout? Is it safe for me to hang out? Yeah, because I I feel like that's, for me, a new experience in the past few years to be like, what? I don't know why I'm trying to pad my credentials. You guys know my timeline. In the past year, that's been my... uh... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's been my experience. Like I'm like, oh, what do I even Google? I'm like, gay okay, question mark, city name. Like That'll probably do it. I think there, I think there are websites that will let you know how safe it is, but I I'm, don't know what the names of those websites are. So if you know, please email us. Please tell us. Yeah, hello goodbyes four twenty sixty nine at gmail dot com. H e l l o g o o d b i s four two zero six nine at gmail dot com, or hit us up on Instagram. At hello goodbyes. Or text Annie at Nope. 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 
<laughs> All right. You want to wrap this puppy up? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Good. Goodbye from the goodbyes. <laughs> yeah, it sounds wild. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wow, 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 wow,